Hey, this is Evan Marquette, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, your personal trainer for love. Welcome back to the Love You podcast, where you can learn everything you need to know about dating, relationships, sex, and men from a man's point of view. And today, we are discussing the word ghosting, why men disappear. It's a, it's a neat term. I'm glad it came up sometime in the past few years. Um, and I'm going to tell you my area of expertise on this. It kind of it came out of nowhere um, years ago. 2008, I had a business coach who said to me, who just had gone through a painful breakup where a guy she was seeing for seven months pulled away. And she says to me, if you write a book explaining to women why men disappear, you'll be very, very successful. <laughs> business coaches do a lot more than that, but that's what she said to me. It was from a personal level. If you can write a book explaining why men disappear, you'll be very, very successful. So literally six months later, uh, my book, Why He Disappeared, <laughs> came out on my website and uh, it has helped tens of thousands of women since and continues to pay my mortgage every month and I'm very grateful that I got that idea because it is a very painful, confusing subject when someone who seems like they're a great catch, who's coming on strong, suddenly changes his mind, disappears like he got hit by a bus, uh, which presuming he did not get hit by a bus is pretty crappy thing to do. So, um, what is ghosting? Well, I guess everybody has their own definition, so I did my trusty research before I got here and I googled it and ended up on Urban Dictionary. Ghosting, the act of suddenly ceasing all communication with someone that the subject is dating, but no longer wishes to date. This is done in hopes that the ghostee will just get the hint and leave the subject alone as opposed to the subject simply telling them he or she is no longer interested. I think that's a fair enough working def definition. And so here are five bullet points to address what I think about ghosting for the first half of our Love You podcast. Uh, first of all, not cool. I mean, it should go without saying, but there, there's, there's nothing defensible about ghosting. Uh, in, unless you are uh, a, a battered woman who picks up in the middle of the night to leave her husband and disappear off the face of the earth so he can't stalk you. I can't think of another valid reason that anyone should ever ghost someone. Right? Disappear without a trace, without a word, without a conversation, without a discussion, without closure. It's just a low integrity thing to do. Um, and yet, bullet point number two, it's really, really common. I mean, to the point where we have vocabulary for it. My book, Why He Disappeared, came out in 2010. The term ghosting came out sometime thereafter. So this has been going on forever. And yet, the fact that we need a vocabulary word to describe the act of, of disappearing without a trace says something about us, our society. And I don't think people have less integrity per se than they did a hundred years ago. It's that the use of digital technology makes this everybody more disposable, right? If your primary relationship consists of texting and one person stops texting, it's not, it's, it's, it's very, very easy to do. So why would anybody do this? What's, what's the thought behind it? Well, first of all, let's acknowledge something that's not popular to say, but it's, I think it's undeniable. People are selfish. And now selfish is different than evil. Selfish is different than malicious. But people act in their own self-interests. 
right? And when someone ghosts, someone disappears, and I'm mostly talking to women who date men, but it works both ways. When someone disappears, it's in their own self-interest, right? Why would someone do anything? That's always the question to ask in dating, that I, I, I as a dating coach try to ask you. Why would my boyfriend do X, Y, and Z? Why would he talk to me that way? Why would he be in touch with his girlfriend? Why would he look at another woman? Why would he, what is his self-interest? Put yourself in his shoes. There's usually a very logical conclusion as to why people do things. So people are selfish. And the selfishness comes out um, in the form of ghosting. It's easier to avoid a conversation than to have a conversation. I'll talk about that a little bit later. I also think people are delusional. Right? Again, that might be too tough a word for what we're trying to describe here, but delusional in as much as willing to sweep their own flaws under the rug, but are acutely sensitive to other people's flaws. In other words, we're entitled to ghost on other people, but it's pretty shitty when they do it to us. Right? I could justify, oh, I just don't want to call that guy back. But when a guy doesn't call you back after you text him, what a jerk, how dare he, right? So again, I don't know if delusional is the right word for it. Hypocritical, maybe? Short-sighted? But the idea, and this happens all the time, I talk about it in regards to lying, right? I've got women clients all over the globe who complain that some guy says he, he was 5'10", but he's really 5'8", but they've lowered their age online by five years. And that, that dissonance doesn't even occur. Well, well yeah. Well, I'm just doing that because it's practical, but how dare he? What else is he hiding? It's sort of the same thing. We're always more acutely aware of the poor ways in which we're being treated than looking at ourselves at the way we treat other people. We don't always live by the golden rule. Um, but here's the, 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 not the science behind it, it's the wrong word. The, the reasoning, the logic, the motive behind ghosting is that people are conflict averse. Most people are, are fundamentally conflict-averse. They don't want to get into a fight. They don't want to have the, the tough conversation. They don't want to embarrass themselves. They don't want to embarrass you. Right? So to me, that's the best explanation for ghosting is that people are conflict-averse, and yet it's the least satisfying. We want more than that. We expect more than that, and yet we're so frequently disappointed by reality, where the easy thing to do is hide. Um, we're not talking about evil people any more than you're evil for saying I'm 49 instead of 50 on your Match.com profile. <laughs> right? um, these aren't pathological scammers. 50-year-olds <laughs> right? who, who shave a year off their age are just insecure people who want to be given a chance. Right? So the ghoster is never intending to be malicious. Right? Very, very few people are thinking, hmm, how could I hurt someone else? If anything, they're just being cowardly and convincing themselves that this is the nicer way to do things right? because there is no conflict it's just avoid silence so you never have to say how you feel you never have to make the clean break you never have to rip off the band-aid you just poof right and we do this under the guise of being nice and so uh, my audience is women right and it's been painful to have been ghosted by men but I see it and women all the time. Instead of emailing some guy to say, hey, thanks for taking me out to dinner last week. You're a really nice guy. I'm just not feeling the connection necessary to move forward. Best of luck in your search. That'd be the high class thing to do, the direct thing to do. What do you do? Stop 
returning his calls, stopped returning his texts, maybe returning his texts a few days late without enthusiasm, hoping that you could do the slow fade. Right? So are there gradations? Does it matter how long you've been together for this to happen? Sure, there's a big difference between a boyfriend, you dated a guy for a year who poof and disappears, and you disappear on him, and a person that you went on one date. But the psychology behind it is the same. I would rather disappear as if I got hit by a truck <laughs> than to tell you the truth. I would rather hide from my responsibility as a human being to be considerate and consider your feelings, right? than to put myself through the discomfort of letting you know that I'm just not that into you. And so ultimately we're all responsible for how we leave other people, for every interaction. If, if you've ever had a negative interaction with me in person, I take responsibility for that. I'm flawed, I'm human, I'm sorry that I spouted my mouth or interrupted you or whatever. But ultimately I'm responsible for how I leave you. Can't make everybody like you, but I'm responsible for what I put out there right, and how I leave any interaction. And when I was dating, I tried to be, to the best of my ability, a good guy where women could say either I'm not attracted to him or he's not for me or you know, any number of things, but I didn't want anybody to leave with, what a jerk. <laughs> I was, that's all I could do. When you're dating, you want to leave someone with a good feeling. Right? It's not karma in a universe energy sense. It's just sort of the right thing to do. It's like doing good customer service. Right? Being polite to the waiter after he's had a rough night instead of yelling at him and demanding to talk to his manager. It's just being nice and extending yourself and thinking of someone else's feelings. So the older I got, the more I got better at being considerate of other people's feelings. And I was less likely to sleep with someone that I didn't see a future with. Right? Doesn't make me a saint, but I, for the past, the, the three years before I got married, I didn't have sex with anybody who wasn't my girlfriend. That was out of sensitivity, not martyrdom, just sensitivity. I'd rather not even get embroiled in this than to be the guy who sleeps with you and then does the slow fade. Right. So ultimately this becomes a question about what do you want? How do you treat, treat people? What's your golden rule? You watching this, do you like it when guys ghost you? Right? Is it better to get no answer and take the hint? Or is it better when the guy says to you after three dates, hey, it was really fun meeting you. Uh, I'm starting to see somebody else right now. I gotta explore that relationship. I'm really sorry. Um, best of luck in the future. Take care of yourself. Right? To me, that's the, that's the way I would wanna be dealt with, is directly. Right? There's no insult. It hurts to be rejected for, for one reason or another, but it's always, to me, Personally, worse to be left hanging and wondering and thinking and obsessing about what could have happened. That's why I wrote why he disappeared. Because people are looking for answers, tangible answers. When there are none, the person just ghosts. Um, to me, that's, that's the right thing to do. It's the most effective thing to do. It's the way most people, I think, want to be treated. Now, at a certain point, you know, it might flip over. You're not obliged to do this for every single guy. Right? You go on a first date and he calls you, you don't call him back. You don't, I mean, it's nice you could tell him after a first date, but there's definitely a point where you owe someone an explanation without disappearing. Three dates that he's put in, right? sex, boyfriend. At some point, you should feel an, a moral obligation to say, hey, you're a really nice guy, right? no hard feelings. I'm just not you know, feeling the click. I'm not feeling the connection necessary to take this thing to the next level. But 
Again, I'm sure you're gonna make someone really happy one day. And that could be text, that could be email, that could be phone call, it could be in person, right? But it's not ghosting. It's the right karmic way to treat someone. It's the way you wanna be treated and it's gonna leave someone, yes, feeling stung, but knowing that you are a good person. It's hard to fault someone for, for doing the right thing. Um, essentially, treat people the way you wanna be treated, but do it better. <laughs> and so it doesn't matter if every guy in the world is a coward, right? I'm talking to you, right? It doesn't matter if, if guys universally do this wrong over 50% of the time. What are you going to do to be a better person, to be a better partner, to be a better dater, um, to have the most integrity and leave people uh, the way you would want to be left? So when we come back from the break in this Love You podcast, I'm going to explain the main reasons, right? We talked about the psychology of ghosting, why people would do it. Now we're going to talk about specifically why men disappear and how you can turn that around in the future so that they don't. My name is Evan Marquez. This is the Love You Podcast. We will be right back. This is Evan Mark Katz, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, your personal trainer for love, back with the second half of this Love You podcast on ghosting, why men disappear. And on the break, I heard a horrific story of my shooter, his girlfriend of a year and a half, ghosted him. I sent him a text, said, said it wasn't working when he called her to try to get closure, have a conversation, radio silence. So lest you think that this is just something evil that men inflict on women, because they're so awful and out of touch with their emotions and insensitive. This is a human thing. It's a conflict avoidant thing. Uh, I think it's cowardly, but it's coming from a place mostly of fear and non-confrontation rather than, I'm going to try to hurt you as much as possible. That's the byproduct of the cowardliness. So in the last half, I explained the twisted psychology of ghosting. Um, people think they're being nice by avoiding conflict. I, it happens with my clients all the time, right? These are women who join my, master, my Love You Masters coaching program, pay me lots of money um, to date with confidence and so that they're not just accepting crumbs from some guy and suddenly they're feeling confident and they're feeling abundant and they realize that men are disposable and there's always another guy and then they start to treat men the way they've been treated by men, which is fascinating, right? To, for, for me to hold up the mirror for them to see that, oh, well, yeah, I mean, I'm still going out with Alan. It's been seven dates, but I don't think it's going anywhere. I just can't bear to tell him, so I'm just gonna let him keep taking me out, but I'm not, it's not going anywhere, and I'm looking for someone else, and eventually I'll, and this guy's investing more and more and more, and then one day she's gonna call it off without, without calling it off. She's just going to, yeah, I broke it off with him. And what she means by I broke it off with him is, I stopped returning his texts, right? Not I sat down and had a conversation with him, but I stopped returning his texts, leaving this guy who was falling for me confused, right? Without closure, leaning forward, embarrassed, texting, calling, right? Obsessed in the middle of the night, all under the idea that she's being kind to him by not breaking up with him. You can see how someone could come to that conclusion that it's actually kind, but you're really being kind to yourself. You don't want to have the conversation. You're not being kind to the partner that you're ignoring. 
This half of the podcast, I really wanted to get into some nitty-gritty. Um, these are five of the major concepts from my book, Why He Disappeared. Um, if you go down to the link uh, in the video or if you go to the products page on evanmarkkatz.com, you can go uh, look, uh, look at the book, Why He Disappeared, and watch the video and read what you'll learn and why he disappeared. This is not a long sales pitch. It's just, you know, if you find this stuff interesting, I've got a whole book and audio program uh, about why men disappear, why men ghost, and what you can do about it. Here are five of the things that I like from the book, uh, and the book's broken into three sections. Um, why men disappear uh, after a date, why men disappear during courtship, right, the dating process, and why men disappear from a relationship. So these are fi five of my favorite things that were culled from that. I've talked about this, most of these things before in different formats, but I, I, I like putting a neat button on it um, so it becomes easily quotable and digestible. You want a leader, but you won't let him lead. Um, the idea here is that women constantly complain to me, I'm a male dating coach for women, and women complain that men are not men anymore. They're not manly, they can't make decisions, they can't take the lead, they're incompetent, they're insecure, they're feminine, they don't know how to make a first move. They, I've, I, I hear this all the time. Um, and then they find a guy who is competent, can make the first move, can lead, and puts up great resistance to the fact that he's leading. And we could reduce this to something really simple, right? Guy says, hey, you, me, Saturday night, we're going for Italian food. Right? Guy, women often like the man with the plan, right? But she says, ah, I'm not really feeling Italian food. And he says, okay, how about sushi? No, not sushi. Okay, what do you want to do? He says. And then she says, God, can't you just make a decision? <laughs> right. This is the conundrum. It's not that you're wrong for having feelings or wrong for having opinions. It's that when a guy tries to make a decision and lead, make a plan, you either say no to the plan, second guess the plan, dissect the plan, or insert your own plan, the point that there's no point in making decisions or trying to lead. The only answer is, what do you want to do? Because ultimately that's where we're going to get anywhere, right? And women rarely like guys who say, what do you want to do? Can't, don't you have any opinions? Can't you be a man? Can't you make a, a plan? So there's this conundrum that, that uh, smart, strong, successful women in particular face. You're very bright, you're very opinionated, as well you should be. And you want a guy who's similarly bright and opinionated. But fundamentally you can't have two people sitting in the driver's seat at the same time. Doesn't mean he's going to be your boss. It doesn't mean he's going to be inconsiderate of you. But if you want to date a leader, you actually have to let him lead. If you second guess everything that he does, if you micromanage everything that he does, the only person you're going to be left with is a guy who says, yes, dear. What do you want, dear? Not bad or wrong, but that's the main reason why men disappear is that they're not even allowed to make decisions on their own because they know 75% of the time it's not going to meet your approval. Which again, doesn't mean that the good boyfriend doesn't care about your approval. It's that a good girlfriend says yes more than she says no. Right? That's why men disappear. Next, we're putting on a show but you don't feel the need to applaud. Any guy who's taking you out right, is there to impress you. Men have different ways of impressing you. Some guys do it with extreme chivalry. Some guys spend a lot of money. Some guys do a lot of listening. Some guys do a lot of talking. They'll talk about themselves for two hours without asking you one question about yourself. Right. Doesn't mean they're a good date, but it does mean he's got two hours to impress you and he's gonna tell you all the reasons he's impressive. Right. So just 
take a step back and have some sympathy for these poor schmucks who are putting on this show for you, calling, picking you up, planning, paying, following up. They're doing all these things that are designed to impress you, charm you, let you know that he's interested, that he's a good provider, that he's interesting, funny, charismatic. And your only job is to let him know that it's working. <laughs> you don't have to call or plan or pay. You just have to metaphorically sit back and say, well done, young man, well done. And what does that mean on a date? It's very little. Look him in the eye, put away your phone, touch him on the hand, touch him on the knee, ask him questions, laugh at his jokes, compliment him on his shirt or his shoes or his funny story or his business acumen. Right? Make him feel good about his choice to take you out. That's his reward for the night. He puts on the show, you applaud for the show, you get a second date. Right? It really is that simple. And it's embarrassing to admit publicly that he's far more concerned with how you react to him than he is concerned with your latest business dealing or the latest country you travel to or how you speak four languages, which are all impressive and all interesting. But when he's on the date, he's putting on the show and he just wants to know that you approve and that there's a chance that this is going to move forward, physically, emotionally, something. He's waiting for your reaction to him. So a good date for a man and a good date for a woman are often two very different things. He wants to know that his mojo is working for, for you and that he's going to see you again and if he goes to make a move at the end of the night, he's not going to get rejected. And that's your primary job, is to let him know that it's working. It's a very different shift from the way most people date. That is another reason when men disappear. They have no idea that you're interested in them because you gave them no signs. Next, building on the last point, you don't make him feel important. Now, it's hard. He's a stranger. What has he done to earn importance? Right. Well, don't you want a guy to make you feel important? You're a stranger. You don't like the guy who texts you on Friday night who's like, what's up? Want to come over? You want the guy who calls you and says, hey, I was just thinking of you driving home from work. How's your day? Right. Emails me the next day, hey, here, this, reminds me, you know, this article reminds me of something that we were talking about last night. Right. What did you do on Saturday night? I know it's six days away, but I was looking forward to my weekend. I want to make sure I get to see you. That's a stranger who's prioritizing you and making you feel important. So when you're a smart, strong, successful woman and you're busy and you have a rich, full single life, it's very easy to say, I don't want to give too much. I don't want to be too vulnerable. I don't want to make time for him. Right? He's going to have to earn that. Well, what happens if this guy is making an effort and you're like, yeah, I've got, a, I've got this thing at work and then I got this thing, I got this busy week. Um, I could probably come out for like 45 minutes on, you know, Thursday morning. Could you have like a scone at Starbucks? Right? There's nothing wrong with you for, for being busy or having other priorities or friends or jobs. But at the end of the day, if he doesn't feel important, what incentive does he have to pursue? What if he actually gets you as a girlfriend? He gets someone who is free to see him once every two weeks. What incentive does he have to keep on pursuing a goal that seems to only get further and further away? So you have to prioritize finding love and you have to prioritize making someone who's new in your life feel important. Right? And that has to do with vulnerability, it has to do with 
time. The greatest gift you can give to a guy is your time, your attention. Right? It's, not, it's not monetary gifts. It's not you know, high highs and cheap sex tricks. It's really just do you make him feel like he's an important central part of your life. It's the same way you want men to make you feel. Right? But when you're busy and you're single and you're mistrustful and you've got a million excuses as to why you can't see him, it's really tough for a guy who, who wants to prioritize a woman and she, he's like the sixth most important thing in her life. Right? So be conscious of, even if you don't know him, make him feel like he's important the way a good customer service rep makes you feel important, even if you're complaining about a $2 charge on your phone bill. Right? You're important. Next, number four reason men disappear. You want to read the last page of the book before you read the book, which is to say you go on a great first date, you see a great profile, you have sex, right? and immediately you're at, what does my future look like? Is this guy my husband? How does, he, how does he treat women? What's his baggage? Does he have a relationship with his exes? How does he vote? Does he want to have kids? Is he financially secure? Is he already saving? It becomes this whole What's wrong with this guy? Where is this relationship going? Based on fear, based on previous experience, which is normal. But that doesn't serve you well when it comes to dating because we can tell if you're not being present with us. We can tell if you're interrogating us, if you're asking questions out of fear, right? if you're not just there enjoying the moment and the connection and all you're thinking about is where is this headed? What's wrong with him? And you're sort of subtly, not so subtly, trying to dissect him and find the crack in his armor to avoid you investing time, energy, pain, potentially, in this guy. Right? It's a fear-based mechanism. Right? It's a past-based mechanism, but it doesn't help you date. Right? So when you meet a great guy, see how he follows up. You go on a great date, see how he follows up. Have a good sexual connection, see how he follows up. And there's no point in trying to read the last page of the book because you don't read that last page of the book for, you know, if we talk about marriage, you don't read the last page of the book for a couple of years. So I try to skip ahead to what you can't know about him. It's mostly to save you time and energy, trying to find things wrong with him instead of to just stay present in the moment. Am I enjoying myself? Do I feel good? Am I comfortable? Am I attracted? Am I having fun? Do I want to do this night again? That's all you have to worry about. Do I want to do this night again? If so, proceed. If not, break it off. But don't try to flip to the last page of the book to see if it has a happy ending because the book hasn't been written yet. And it doesn't work. It scares guys away when you do that. And that dovetails with uh, this, this other point, which is you treat him as if he's going to hurt you. You treat him as if he's going to hurt you. The next guy has nothing to do with the last guy. They're completely independent rolls of the dice. If you went out with a guy with, who was a cheater, it doesn't mean I'm a cheater because I'm the next guy who meets you on Tinder. You went out with a guy who was a liar, same thing. Went out with a guy who's, you know, financially unstable, same thing. Went out with a guy who was an alcoholic, same thing. The next guy has nothing to do with the last guy. And all of those past experiences, while they may have formed you and jaded you and changed the way you view dating relationships and men, there's no reason that I should have to pay the price for that. No more than you should have to pay the price for the women he's dated in the past. And if you've ever met a guy who talked about those gold-digging bitches, right, or those crazy chicks on Match.com who, right, if that guy's bringing his past baggage to your date and it has nothing to do with you, how does it reflect on him? So please remember that the next guy has nothing to do with the last guy. 
And if you treat the new guy as if he is the last guy and if he's going to hurt you and you build up all these walls for him to climb and these shit tests for him to pass, most trustworthy good guys are gonna say, you know what, I'm gonna pass. This is way too much work to get inside your walls. This is way too much work to convince you that I'm not the last guy. I want someone who trusts me implicitly. I want someone who lets that guard and treats me well. I, I want someone who leads with trust and assumes I'm a good person, treats me as if I'm innocent before proving, you know, being proven guilty instead of guilty and me having to prove my innocence. Right? And if you treat men as if they are criminals because you've been hurt in the past, the only people who are gonna stick around are the criminals. The good guys are gonna say, I just want someone who appreciates me, accepts me, digs me as I am. I don't wanna to have to jump through these hoops. I don't wanna to have to prove myself to you. I prove myself by showing up and being a good guy. I can't do any more than that. I can't erase your past. But most trustworthy guys don't have the patience to stick around with women who don't trust them. And that's hard if you've been burned before. So those are five of my favorite tips from why he disappeared. Again, if you wanna learn more, go to evanmarquettes.com products and then go to why he disappeared or click on the link below the YouTube video. Either way, I hope you found this podcast on ghosting and men disappearing valuable. I enjoy giving it to you. Um, next week on the Love You podcast, I'm talking with Alana Pratt, who's a sex and intimacy expert. Um, if you don't have your groove with men, if you don't feel sexy, if you feel insecure, embracing your feminine side. You do not want to miss this interview I have with Alana. It's great stuff. I think you're going to love it. And if you enjoyed this podcast, tell your friends. Click the subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter. And go to evanmarkatz.com. Give me your name and email address. And not only will I give you free dating and relationship advice, but I will give you two weeks free in my Love You course, which is a gift two weeks of videos on building your confidence, getting over your past baggage, and reminding you why you should believe in love and why your happiness, if you keep on going with me, is inevitable. I thank you. I appreciate you. My name is Evan Marquez. This is Love You Podcast, and I will see you again next week. <laughs>